The Ancient Black Hebrews, Abraham and His Family Written by Gert Muller Narrated by Mike Piscatelli Introduction Who was Abraham? The oldest traditions concerning Abraham can be found in the Bible, specifically the book of Genesis. Who was he? Encyclopedia Britannica introduces him with the following words. Abraham, Hebrew Avraham, originally called Abram, flourished early 2nd millennium BCE, the first of the Hebrew patriarchs and a figure revered by the three great monotheistic religions, Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. By saying early 2nd millennium BCE for Abraham's lifetime, the source gives us an approximate date range of 1999 through 1700 BC. Abraham's original name was Abram, which in Northwest Semitic indicated exalted father. The name Abraham indicates in Northwest Semitic father of a multitude. All the evidence reviewed in four volumes of the ancient black Hebrews shows the ancient Israelites were a black people. Abraham was the ancestor of the Israelites. Some might think it is reasonable to assume he was black because of his descendants. This, however, cannot be assumed, but must be shown separately. A group of people can be black without the founder necessarily being black, and vice versa. This is because it only takes three generations to change appearance from black to white or from white to black. We shall look at the biblical account to see what can be learnt about Abraham from it. Where was he born? Where was his ancestral homeland? What were the ethnicities, as opposed to race, of the people of the region? What did the people of the region look like at the time? What are the ethnic clues of Abraham's family specifically? Are there any pictures of people of the region from that time? The answers to all of these questions will inform us what Abraham and his family looked like. Identify the ethnicity. Once that is done, identify what that ethnicity looked like. It seems simple, but it is not. We may take either literal or interpretative understanding of Abraham's story. Before doing either, we have to familiarize ourselves with the story first. The Nature of the Genesis Source Genesis is a collection of ancient traditions transmitted orally for several generations amongst the Israelites. Genesis was only written as an entire book sometime in the 6th century BC by compiling three sources that were written a century before. The patriarchal ancestors of Genesis are geographical entities and are designed to explain ethno-political relations in the oikumene, or known world, of the 7th century BC. Genesis 10, or the Table of the Nations, is the best example of this observation. Noah's sons, Shem, Southwest Asia, Ham, Africa, and Japhet, Eurasia, appear to be approximations of the major regions of the Oikumene, and their sons are the nations of those regions. There are various hidden bits of information and seemingly random details included about the sons. We are told Japhet was the elder of Shem, almost certainly a reference to Eurasia being much larger than Southwest Asia. Genesis chapter 10, verse 21. In fact, the name Japhet is given as meaning enlarged. Size, being the basis of seniority amongst the sons, is also supported by their given order. Shem, the smallest, Ham, the next smallest, and Japhet, the largest. When we are told about the generations of each son, the order is reversed. If seniority was based on antiquity, Ham would have been the oldest. The first civilizations in Genesis are all associated with Ham, and the compiler was aware that humanity originated in Ethiopia, as indicated in our book Eden, the biblical garden discovered in East Africa, 
2011. Our position on the cause of seniority marks a departure from our previous position on page 26 of Eden. The Family of Shem Shem's sons were Elam, Ashur, Arphaxad, Lud, and Aram. Genesis chapter 10, verse 22. Many scholars have equated the sons of Shem with speakers of the Semitic language family. Table 1 shows the nations of Shem. Please see the PDF. When we look closer, we find that Elam, the eldest, represents the Elamites, and they spoke a non-Semitic language. This means that a Shemite is not necessarily a Semite. Furthermore, other speakers of Semitic languages, like the Canaanites, the Amorites, are descended from Ham. Genesis chapter 10, verses 15 to 19. This means that a Hamite can also be a Semite. The Semitic language Akkadian is named after the city of Akkad, which, in Genesis, was founded by a son of Cush. Genesis chapter 10, verses 8 to 11. The divisions of Hamite and Shemite were never intended to divide people by language family or by complexion. If there are more dark-complexioned nations under two suns, and hardly any under one, it is because of the geographical nature of the classification. It is incidental, not intended. We are not the only ones to make this observation. The independent scholar Russell Gmerkin wrote of Genesis chapter 10, It defies the consistent application of any single criterion of selectivity or principles of classification. Racial characteristics, physical types, or the color of skin play no role in the categorizing. Nor is language a guidance, since Canaan, recognized in Isaiah chapter 19, verse 18, to have the same tongue as Israel, is affiliated with Egypt among the Hamites, while the Elamites, who spoke a decidedly non-Semitic language, are classified under Shem. Berossus and Genesis, Manetho and Exodus, Hellenistic Histories and the Date of the Pentateuch, by Russell Gmerkin, Bloomsbury, 2006, page 140. Later, we shall see that there is a single criterion that can be applied with a good degree of consistency. But we certainly agree regarding language and complexion. Figure 1 shows the African-type hairstyles of the Elamites, a nation of Shem. Please see the PDF. Background to Abraham Genesis chapter 11, verses 10 through 26, outlines the genealogy from Shem's middle son, Arphaxad, to Abraham's father, Terah. Arphaxad, Shelah, Eber, Peleg, Reu, Serug, Nahor, Terah. Eber is the eponymous ancestor of the Hebrews. The term Hebrew, however, is first used in Genesis in the phrase Abram the Hebrew, Genesis chapter 14, verse 13, after he crossed the Euphrates. In Northwest Semitic languages, it indicates from the other side and indicates Abraham's crossing of the Euphrates on his journey from Haran to Canaan. Abraham's Story Abraham's Family The first clues as to Abraham's ethnic affiliation come from Genesis chapter 11. Here we are told about his birth family. This is the account of Terah's family line. Terah became the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran, and Haran became the father of Lot. While his father Terah was still alive, Haran died in Ur of the Chaldees, in the land of his birth. Abram and Nahor both married. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife was Milcah. She was the daughter of Haran, the father of both Milcah and Iscah. Now Sarai was childless because she was not able to conceive. 
Terah took his son Abram, his grandson Lot, son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, the wife of his son Abram, and together they set out from Ur of the Chaldees to go to Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. Terah lived 205 years, and he died in Haran. Genesis chapter 11, verses 27 through 32. There are two different issues that arise from these verses. First, the significance of the names of Abraham's family and ancestors in identifying his ethnic homeland. Second, the significance of the phrase, Ur of the Chaldees, in identifying Abraham's place of birth. At this point in our presentation, it is not clear whether his birthplace is necessarily the same as his ethnic homeland. The Significance of the Names We are told that Terah and his family moved from Ur to Haran on the way to Canaan. But why did they go as far as Haran as opposed to other closer cities in northwest Mesopotamia, see figure 2, like Tutul or Tuba? Did they have a pre-existing historical connection with the region around Haran? There is evidence to suggest just that. As scholars have long noted, there is a durable link between Abram's family and the region of Syro-Mesopotamia between the Euphrates and Habur rivers around the city of Haran, Haran in Akkadian. This is where Abram's immediate kin live. Genesis chapter 11, verse 31, chapter 24, verse 10, chapter 28, verse 2, chapter 29, verses 4 to 5. Abram's direct ancestors are Terah, father, Nahor, grandfather, also the name of Abram's brother, and Serug, great-grandfather. Terah and his household come to dwell in Haran, where Terah later dies. All of these personal names correspond with place names in the Euphrates-Habur region of Syro-Mesopotamia. These place names in various forms are known in texts from the 2nd and 1st millennium BCE. Nahur, known from Old Assyrian and Old Babylonian texts, was located east of Haran by the Habur River. Til, Shaturahi, and Sarugi, in the neighborhood of Haran, are known from Neo-Assyrian texts. Remembering Abraham, Culture, Memory, and History in the Hebrew Bible, by Ronald Hendel and Ronald Stephen Hendel, Oxford University Press, 2005, pages 51 to 52. These correspondences establish a strong link between Abraham's family, his immediate ancestors, and the area of northwest Mesopotamia around the Euphrates-Habur region. It suggests this area is his ethnic homeland. Ur of the Chaldees The city of Ur is always called in Genesis Ur of the Chaldees, as if the phrase preserves an important memory. Ur was one of the southernmost cities of Mesopotamia. The Chaldees were the politically dominant ethnic group in Babylonia when the Genesis sources were written, 7th century BC. Chaldeans were not present in this region before 1000 BC, and appear to be a glaring anachronism in the time of Abraham, circa 1800 BC. An anachronism is something that is placed in a period earlier or later than its actual time. What is the relationship between Abraham's birthplace, Ur of the Chaldees, and his ethnic homeland, Euphrates-Habur region? Akkadians and Amorites in the early 2nd millennium BC, the inhabitants of Ur would have been either Akkadians or Amorites. The Akkadians were the earlier population of southern Mesopotamia, Babylonia, along with the now ethnically extinct Sumerians. 
There are three volumes dedicated to demonstrating that the southern Mesopotamian population was of African appearance. Black Sumer by Hermel Hermstein, Pomegranate Publishing, 2012-13. Most writers who argued that Abraham was black did so based on Ur being part of the region founded by Nimrod, son of Cush. Genesis chapter 10, verses 6-11. through 11. But this is only a valid argument if Abraham was indigenous to Ur or that region. Being born somewhere does not necessarily mean that one is indigenous to that place. Figure 2 shows a map of Mesopotamia and the Levant by author Atar Aram. Amuru can be seen in the map as coastal Katna, while Haran can be seen just above Yamhad. Please see the PDF. The other population of Babylonia, the Amorites, were semi-nomadic. The Amorites did not originate in Babylonia, but in the Syrian desert. They are first mentioned in connection with the Jebel Bishri region. They spread throughout Syria, where they formed the state of Yamhad. North Mesopotamia, where they were centered around the city of Mari, and South Mesopotamia, where they took over Ur and founded Babylon. They also took over the coast of northern Canaan, which later became known as Amuru. The Amorites became the politically dominant population in the Fertile Crescent, the area formed by Babylonia, northwest Mesopotamia, and Canaan. This is significant because Genesis chapter 11 verses 31 and 32 told us that Terah took his family from Ur, south, and traveled to Haran, north, with the intent to reach Canaan. This journey was along the same fertile crescent that was Amorite-ruled. The early presence of the Amorites in northwest Mesopotamia locates them in the region we have already identified as the most likely ethnic homeland of Abraham. This explains the link between Abraham's birthplace, Ur, and his likely ethnic homeland, northwest Mesopotamia. It is also clear from Genesis chapter 12, verse 8, that Abraham and his people were familiar with tents, which is what we would expect of semi-nomads. Descendants of Ham and Shem There is an issue that would have to be discussed before the Amorite theory can be accepted. Amorites in Genesis 10 are descended from Ham, while the Hebrews are descended from Shem. This presents a problem for many biblical scholars. In reality, it should not, because the genealogies look as if they are more about geographical location rather than ethnic descent. Some eponymous ancestors of ancient nations are listed under both Ham and Shem. Sheba and Dedan were two nations that were mentioned together in Genesis on five occasions. On two of those, they are descended from Cush's son Ra'amah, Genesis chapter 10, verse 6, and 1 Chronicles chapter 1, verse 9. This is the line of Ham. On another two, they are descended from Abraham's son Jokshan, Genesis chapter 25, verse 3, 1 Chronicles chapter 1, verse 32. This is the line of Shem. The same applies to Havilah, who was a son of Cush, Genesis chapter 10, verse 6, and also given as a son of Joktan, son of Eber, Genesis chapter 10, verse 29. Joktan's descendants stretched from Mesha unto Sephar, Genesis chapter 10, verse 30. See figure 3. Figure 3 is a map showing Mesha and Sephar in West Arabia, where the sons of Joktan were located. Please see the PDF. In both instances, the link is between the line of Cush and the line of Eber. Conclusion Hamite and Shemite categories cannot be about ethnic descent and certainly cannot be about complexion. 
This is supported by Havila, Sheba, and Dedan of Shem, seeming to represent locations or nations along the western Arabian coast, while those of Ham represent locations along the coast of northeast Africa. These two regions face each other on a map. This would make sense as Ham approximates Africa and Shem approximates southwest Asia. Archaeological evidence shows that, in the era in which Genesis places Abraham, the populations on both sides were culturally related. Eden, 2013, pages 45 to 46. When we look at the tectonic map of the Old World, we can see that the African plate, the Arabian plate, and the Eurasian plate have a striking correspondence to the nations of Ham, Shem, and Japhet, more so than does Africa, Southwest Asia, and Eurasia. Also, as already discussed, not all the descendants of Ham necessarily share an ethnic relationship nor those of Shem. Sometimes they do not even share the same general complexion. Canaanites are a good example of this. They are classed under Ham, but are not ethnically identical. In terms of actual ethnic descent, some Canaanite nations originally spoke Northwest Semitic languages. Others originally spoke Hittite and Hurian from much further north. See figure 2 for the location of those two nations. As we shall see from the images, the evidence suggests that the Semitic speakers and Northerners did not share the same general complexion. All of those Canaanite nations, however, whether of Northwest Semitic or Northern origins, were classed under Ham because they were located on the African tectonic plate. The Amorites were classed under Ham because Amuru, the kingdom bearing their name, was located on the African plate. See figure 2, the coastal area of Katna. Those northwest Semitic-speaking nations that were located on the Arabian plate were classed under Shem. The Arabian plate equals Shem. Compare the way the Arabian plate continues as a strip down the Persian-Arabian Gulf, and the way Elam, son of Shem, continues as a strip down the Persian-Arabian Gulf on the two maps. This is a parallel of how the African plate continues as a strip into Southwest Asia, and the way the sons of Ham continue into Southwest Asia as Canaan and Amuru. Figure 4 is a geotectonic map showing African plate continuing into Asia and Arabian plate continuing along the Persian Gulf. Figure 5 is a map showing Canaan in yellow and Amuru, pink, in Southwest Asia, the sons of Ham. It also shows Elam, son of Shem, continuing along the Persian Gulf. Please see the PDF. This is why we say Genesis chapter 10 is about geotectonic reality of the oikumene rather than about ethnic descent, language family, or complexion. Any link to geo-regional appearance is incidental rather than intended. In conclusion, we can say that there is good circumstantial evidence to suggest Abraham was an Amorite from territory on the Arabian plate, hence a descendant of Shem. The fact that the Amorites of Genesis are classed under Ham because they are located along the African plate is therefore not a contradiction to Abraham being an Amorite. There is, however, another problem for the Amorite theory, which we shall now review. Abraham's Country Isaac was Abraham's son. When Isaac was of age, Abraham sent his servant to get a wife for him from amongst his own kin or extended family. He addresses his servant with these words. You will not get a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites, among whom I am living, but will go to my country and my own relatives and get a wife for my son Isaac. 
Then the servant left, taking with him ten of his master's camels, loaded with all kinds of good things from his master. He set out for Aram Naharaim and made his way to the town of Nahor. Genesis chapter 24, verses 3 and 4 and 10. Abraham tells the servant, Go to my country and my own relatives. The servant then heads to Aram Naharaim, which means Aram between the rivers. This is the Euphrates Habur region we reviewed earlier, where towns like Nahor and Haran were located. This is Abraham's ethnic homeland, and the name strongly suggests that his kin were the ancient people known as Arameans. The Wandering Aramean In the book of Deuteronomy, it tells us that every third year the Israelites were to bring to a designated place the first fruits of the land. On presenting the first fruits, they are told to say the following, my father was a wandering Aramean, and he went down into Egypt with a few people, and lived there and became a great nation, powerful and numerous. But the Egyptians mistreated us and made us suffer, subjecting us to harsh labor. Deuteronomy chapter 26, verses 5 to 6. Who was the wandering Aramean who was father to the Israelites and took a few people down to Egypt? and ended up in slavery. This can either be a reference to Abraham, who went into Egypt with his retinue, or Jacob, who also went into Egypt with his sons. Both are fathers of the Israelite nation. Either way, Jacob is the grandson of Abraham. Grandfathers and grandsons usually share the same ethnicity. This would make Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob Arameans. What do we know about the Arameans? They were a confederacy of tribes in the Syrian desert that spoke a northwest Semitic language similar to Canaanite and Amorite. They are first mentioned in the inscriptions of the Assyrian king Tiglath-Pileser, 1115-1077 BC. He had to cross the Euphrates repeatedly to fight them. Arameans are known as an Iron Age people because they are attested from the 11th century BC to the 8th century BC. The Arameans spread all over Mesopotamia and Canaan. So the problem with the Amorite theory is that the father of the Israelites is identified as Aramean. Just as we think we have solved the problem of Abraham's ethnicity, we look at the dates and realize there is yet another problem. The Arameans were first mentioned in the 11th century BC. There is no record of them at the time of Abraham in the early 2nd millennium BC. Describing him and his kin as Arameans has to be seen as an anachronism. Can we reconcile history with biblical records? The Solution Amorites and Arameans just because the name Aramean was not in use, it does not mean the Arameans had no ancestors. The question becomes, who were their ancestors and what name did they go by? An archaeologist working with the Finnish project in Syria provides facts that strongly hint at an answer. In the Mesopotamian Sumerian cuneiform sources, Jebel Bishri first appears as the Mountain of the Amorites. The Assyrian sources first mention Ahlamu Arameans in connection with Jebel Bishri. Tiglat Pilesar and Ashur Nasirpal defeated several Aramean cities at the foot of the mountain. The Mountain of the Amorites, Tidnum, and Ahlamu Arameans by Minna Lonkvist for Jebel Bishri, the Finnish project in Syria. From this, we gather the Arameans are first encountered in historical documents in the Amorite homeland. They seem to share the dual nature of the Amorites as simultaneously settled and nomadic. 
We are also told by a Syrian specialist in ancient history, Michael Streck, that the term Ahlamu and Sutu were used by Assyro-Babylonians to designate both Amorites and later Arameans. The terms were thought to indicate nomadic state. Streck, 2014, page 302. The obvious suggestion of these facts is that the Amorites were the ancestors of the Arameans. Daniel Bodie is a professor of the Hebrew Bible and Semitic languages at the University of Paris. He wrote a whole paper looking at the question of the Amorite ancestry of the Arameans. He also makes links between Amorite and early Hebrew customs. He made three significant remarks. There seems to exist a linguistic continuity between the Amorite and the Aramaic languages. R. Zadok has suggested that certain eastern members of the Amorite dialect cluster, which were spoken in the Jezireh and on the fringe of the Syrian desert, were the ancestors of the Aramaic language. An indication of Amorite migration can be deduced from the way they integrated and associated the names of their gods with those from the land of Canaan, like Adad, Degain, El, and Ara. The following personal names would tend to confirm it. Yawiki Adad, Yahweh is like Adad, ARM 7, 194, verse 2. Yawiki El, Yahweh is like El, ARM 24, 234, 1, 10. Or proper names that express the equation like Yahweh El, Yahweh is El, ARM 22, slash 2, 262, 6, verse 9, 264, verse 22. The comparisons made about the way ancient Hebrew chieftains like Saul and David obtained, exchanged, or dealt with their wives, daughters, and the matrimonial transactions of the Amorite warlord Zimri Lim show that marriage transactions among semi-nomadic populations share numerous details which are best explained as being due to the conservatism of marriage customs in northern Syria and in ancient Israel. Is there a connection between Amorites and Arameans by Daniel Bodhi? 2015, page 22, 21, 26. If the language of the Arameans originated amongst the eastern dialects of the Amorites, that would make the Euphrates Amorites the ancestors of the Arameans. The Euphrates is on the Arabian plate. Abraham's family were from towns of the Euphrates Habur region, like Haran, where Amorites were the majority. This would make them part of the Amorites who became ancestors of the Arameans. This eastern location on the Arabian plate is also why the ancestors of the Arameans were considered sons of Shem. Mari was a city along the upper Euphrates with an Amorite majority. The Amorite term used by the people of Mari for a transhuman clan, seasonal nomads, was Hebrew, Bodhi, 2015, page 23. One of the major gods of the Eastern Amorites was Yahweh. This ties everything together neatly. Not only were they the ancestors of the Arameans, but also, clearly, the Hebrews. We should also take this opportunity to deal with the allegation that Abraham did not want Canaanite wives for his son Isaac because they were Hamites. As we have already said, the sons of Noah were geotectonic and not intended to convey ethnic descent. Abraham would have understood that there were peoples all over Southwest Asia speaking Amorite dialects and that they were related to his tribe. His interest would have been marrying his family into Amorites from the Euphrates Habur region, preferably from his extended family. Different Amorite tribes were often at war. 
Marrying one's extended family was a way of guaranteeing that in-laws were loyal to you in the event of war. This is likely to be why kinship marriages became a custom. Canaanites would have been particularly unsuitable because they were sedentary, and such a wife would not be used to transhuman existence. The only way one could persuade a Canaanite woman to marry an Amorite is if he was going to abandon his ancestral ways and settle permanently. While this did happen, Abraham here is indicating he is not ready for that. So why the anachronism of calling Abraham's family Aramean? Because that was the term used for the same ethnic group in that region when Genesis was written. If a general historian speaks of the English in the 5th century AD, this is a similar anachronism. No one in the 5th century AD self-identified as English. Germanic people in South Britain self-identified as Angles, Saxons, or Jutes. English identity only came centuries later when the tribes had merged. Anglo-Saxons are to the English what Amorites are to the Arameans. What was a Chaldean? Chaldean was the name used to designate certain tribes of Babylonia. Each tribe was named after a house or lineage like Bit Yakin or House of Yakin. The Chaldeans are only mentioned in cuneiform records from around 1000 BC. It turns out that the Chaldeans were closely related to the Arameans, but they resulted from an earlier or later migration to Mesopotamia and so are distinguished from Arameans. We are told by the Syrian specialist Michael Streck that the most likely scenario is that Arameans and Chaldeans belonged to the same large Aramean branch, but within this branch to different tribal groups that infiltrated Mesopotamia at different periods. Arameans Outside of Syria, Babylonia by Michael Streck in Arameans in Ancient Syria, edited by Herbert Neer, Brill, 2014, page 299. So, Ur of the Chaldees might not just be an anachronism, but an acknowledgement of the ethnic relationship between Chaldeans and Abraham's Aramean family. Abraham, Midian, and Kushan in Genesis, Abraham's first wife was called Sarah. After her death, Abraham took another wife, whose name was Keturah. She bore him Zimron, Jokshan, Midan, Midian, Ishbak, and Shua. The sons of Midian were Ephah, Epher, Hanuk, Abidah, and Eldaah. All these were descendants of Keturah. Genesis chapter 25, verses 1 through 4. The Midianites of Genesis are descended from Abraham and thus related to the Israelites. We are then told elsewhere in the Old Testament, I saw the tents of Cushan in distress, the dwellings of Midian in anguish. Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 7. Midian is the region of Arabia opposite southern Sinai. Midianites, Abraham's descendants, are called Kushan. Moses married Zipporah, the daughter of the Midianite priest Jethro. In Numbers chapter 12, verse 1, Moses' wife is called a Kushite, or in the KJV, an Ethiopian. The Hebrew term used is Hakushit, the Kushite feminine gender. From this, it can be deduced that the Midianites, descendants of Abraham, were referred to as Cushites. Kushan Rishathayim. It can be deduced from this that Kush-an is a form of the word Kush. The an suffix may be a no longer used Hebrew equivalent of ish or ik in English. 
Kushan might have been to Kush what Nordic is to German, describing a type rather than a nationality. This is supported by the fact that the term is also used to refer to individuals. It is used in the time of Israel's judges to denote an individual in Abraham's ethnic homeland. The anger of the Lord burned against Israel, so that he sold them into the hands of Cushan Rishathayim, king of Aram Naharayim, to whom the Israelites were subject for eight years. Cushan Rishathayim, translated, or rather interpreted, as man from Cush, he of the twofold crime, Septuagint Chusarathayim, the King James Version, Chusand Rishathayim. Entry for Kushan Rishathayim, International Standard Bible Encyclopedia, 1915, Judges, chapter 3, verse 8. So the king of Abraham's own country is called by a term translated as man from Cush by the ISBE. We believe it would be more accurate to say like a man from Cush. Greek Jews of the time of Ptolemy, who translated the Septuagint, equated this use of the term Kushan with Ethiopian. Strong is probably the number one reference for Hebrew lexicon. Each entry comes under an identifying number. What follows is the number assigned by Strong's exhaustive concordance to the Hebrew term, the Hebrew transliteration, and an English explanation. Hebrew is read from right to left. 3568. Kush. Definition, a son of Ham, also his descendant, also a land in the South Nile Valley. 3569. Kushi, definition, descendant of Cush. 3571. Kushith, definition, a Cushite woman. 3572. Kushan, definition, a region of Arabia. 3573. Kushan Rishathayim, definition, king of Aram Naharayim. According to Strong's, Cush is probably a foreign loan into Hebrew and designates a territory, a biblical character, and his descendants. Complexion is not mentioned. It has indirect color connotations, the same way Nordic has indirect color connotations, but the term Nordic itself has no etymological association with white. Kushan Rishathayim was king of Aram Naharayim. We can only conclude the king of Aram Naharayim was, along with the Midianites, referred to as like a Cushite for the same reason. Cushites had two main characteristics. Unchanging color, Jeremiah chapter 13 verse 23, plus being tall and smooth-skinned, Isaiah chapter 18 verse 2. It is likely to be the complexion that cannot change, which is the likeness point. This implies they were the darkest version of African complexion, because it is this hue that cannot change. Can we confirm any of this? To claim that Aram Naharayim was a region where particularly dark Amorite individuals occurred, it would help if we showed images of those that were so complexioned. The Amorite kingdom of Mari, from around the time Genesis places Abraham, furnishes such examples. The 3rd century AD Syrian kingdom of Dura Europos furnishes other examples. These are taken from the book Unmistakably Black, Paintings and Sculptures from the World's First Civilizations by Anu Mbantu, 2013. Subarians. Bit-Adini was an Aramean kingdom located around the Euphrates of Upper Mesopotamia from around 940 BC. Before that, the area had been a Luvian kingdom. Luvians spoke an Indo-European language. 
Bit-Adini's capital was Tilbarsip. In 856 BC, it was attacked by King Shalmanasar III of Assyria, who wrestled the stronghold from Aramean control. Shalmanasar built a palace in Tilbarsip, which depicted the Assyrian attack. It showed Arameans, a thousand years after the time of Abraham, having somewhat mixed with northern people like Hurians and Luvians, Hittite-related. In figure 6, the reddish-brown goddess Ishtar passes the emblems of kingship to two very dark-brown Kushan Amorite chieftain Zimri Lim of Mahdi. These were the ancestors of the Arameans and from the time Genesis places Abraham. Figure 7 shows a deity of the Amorites of Mahdi, very dark brown complexion, Kushan. Figure 8 shows priests of Bel at Dura Europos, Syria, 250 AD, a dark brown adult and a very dark brown adolescent, Kushan. Even 2,000 years after Abraham, there were still Kushans in the region. Figure 9 shows a dark brown, African-complexioned Amorite soldier from Mahdi, 1775 B.C. Figure 10, a white-complexioned fisherman from Mahdi, probably an ethnic Hurian. Figure 11, Mahdi sacrificial victims in this scene show intermediate complexions in relation to the soldier and the fisherman. Some Amorites undoubtedly had northern, Hurian, or Hittite ancestry. For all these figures, please see the PDF. They are still contrasted from the Assyrians who are shown pale-hued. This causes us to ask who the Assyrians were. The Semitic speakers, like the Canaanites, Amorites, and Akkadians, were usually shown as of African complexion. Why were the Assyrians always shown pale-hued? The Assyrian specialist Hildegard Levy had a book published as part of the Cambridge Ancient History series in 1966. In it, she revealed the first clue to the enigma. An inscription of the Babylonian king Mardul Apal Edina II, the biblical Merodach Baladan, 721-710 BC, who designates his Assyrian adversary, King Sargon the Younger, 721-705 BC, not as king of Assyria, but as the Subarian, and his army as the host of Subir. Thus, an astrologer reports to the Assyrian king, We are the Subir. The origin of the derogatory sense of the names Subir, Subartu, traceable in a considerable number of old Babylonian texts, of importing Subarian slaves because they were highly appreciated in Babylonia. The use of Subarian slaves thus became so widespread that the term Subarum, or on Old Assyrian, Subrum, eventually became a general designation for slave. Assyria, 2600 to 1816 BC, by Hildegard Levy, Cambridge University Press, 1966, page 7. Subarians, on the whole, had non-Semitic names, indicating that their native language was not of that family. Was this a Babylonian reference to the real ethnic origins of the Assyrians as originally being non-Akkadian speakers or Semiticized Subarians? It is also interesting that what is noticeable about the Assyrians in relation to other Semitic speakers is also what is noted about the Subarians. A footnote by the Mesopotamian specialist I.J. Gelb explains. The usual translation of namrum when applied to living persons, such as slaves, light in the sense of light-colored, fair-skinned, fair-complexioned, was criticized by Spicer, who preferred to translate the adjective in question as bright, in the sense of intelligent. 
For this interpretation of namrum, I can find no evidence in Akkadian literature. In favor of its usual interpretation as light-colored, cross-reference resh amtam navir irtam sha inka maraat, a light-colored slave girl who is pleasing to your eye. Hurians and Subarians by I. J. Gelb, University of Chicago, 1944, page 43. The implications of the excerpts are that Subarians were associated with being slaves, being fair-complexioned, and that they were popular because they were considered pleasing to the eye in Mesopotamia. Abraham lived in the Old Babylonian period, the time under discussion. By contrast, the female slave in his household, with whom he had a son, was Egyptian. He would appear to have had darker tastes. Figure 12 depicts an Old Babylonian period Amorite deity from Babylon. Many Amorites had slim facial features, but some had sub-Saharan-type features. Figure 13 presents an Assyrian soldier who is about to dispatch an Aramean nomad. Complexion is one of the defining contrasts between Assyrians and Arameans. We can see the hands of another Aramean and Assyrian showing the same distinction. For these figures, again, please see the PDF. Conclusion What was Abraham by ethnicity? Abraham was an Amorite from the Euphrates Habur region, a descendant of Shem by location. They were the ancestors of the Arameans. The Elamites, also descended from Shem by location, were of African appearance. A later king of Abraham's homeland is likened to the people of Cush, as is Moses' Midianite wife, and the Midianites in general. This would only be sensible if the people of Aram Naharaim were of African complexion in general. There are images of Amorites contemporary with Abraham with dark as well as standard African complexions. Even images from a thousand years later contrast the brown of the Arameans with the pale of the Assyrians. All of this makes it clear that Abraham had an African complexion. It should also be said that for the purpose of the research in this book, the Old Testament is consistent. We often hear about the Bible contradicting itself, but on the point of the Midianites having a Cushite association, it is consistent. On the question of Abraham's family being Aramean, it is consistent. On the point of the Arameans, including Abraham, having a Cushite association, it is consistent. Genesis and the Israelites are not usually associated with advanced scientific knowledge, but we find that both Ham and Shem correspond to the African and Arabian plates, respectively. This is obvious when you compare a map showing Ham's extension into Asia and Shem's extension out of Arabia with a tectonic map. This is a parallel of the advanced scientific knowledge Genesis shows when it accurately locates the origin of humanity in Ethiopia. Almost no other biblical scholars have ever pointed this out or sought to explain this. This undoubtedly awaits a future work.